Quest, episode 20, an X-Men franchise spin-off. Welcome to Sequel Quest, the podcast that dares to imagine sequels to your favorite films and movie franchises. Take a journey into the realm of cinematic possibilities with your hosts, Adam, Jeff, Justin, and Jeremy. Let the adventure begin now. Welcome back, Sequel Questers, to this, the 20th episode of Sequel Quest! Yeah! 20! Should get a cake. I mean, we have a cake! Look at it! It's beautiful! It's a beautiful cake! It's amazing! Oh no, the the fire is getting out of control! Somebody! Somebody put out the flames. (laughs) Many candles. Well, the candles went up in flames. Yeah. (laughs) 20 episodes. That's something to be proud of. And if you've been along for the ride, you you know we've had a lot of fun. And there's only more to come. But wow, 20 episodes, guys. We there's a are... lot of great TV shows. That <laughs> they said the we cape? wouldn't last the, 10 days. <laughs> Stupid doctors. We have done a lot of different movies and a lot of yeah, very similar movies <laughs> over the course of these 20 episodes. But we always like your input. If there's a movie you would like to see us or hear us more so, talk about, email us, sequelquestpod at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at SQ Pod. Find us on Instagram now. We're hitting it big. <laughs> Sequel Quest, one word. Find us on Facebook, Sequel Quest. And I guess we've got a Google Plus. We do have a Google Plus account for all you Google <laughs> Plusers there was a out there. On Google Plus. <laughs> well, we, we threw in a MySpace while we're, we're at on it. MySpace yeah. and Friendster. Friendster. <laughs> we even have a Napster account. Yeah, I don't know I what we're it. able to do with that, but it's there. We opened an AOL chat room. <laughs> Search for us on Alta Vista. Yeah. Alta yeah. Vista. We tried to pirate our own audio on BearShare. <laughs> <laughs> Just CB Radio. We we broadcast on CB Radio continuously. Don't forget Kazaa and LimeWire. Yeah. <laughs> And, of course, you can always find us on iTunes. Just search Sequel Quest, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, and many of the other podcasting apps that you want to use. I mean, we're out there. You search us, and you'll find us. We're making it easy on you. Here's the other thing, too. You know, we're 20 episodes in. We're trying to give you more than just the show. We've done bonus episodes. We have the sequel chat episodes where we do actual weekend of release movie reviews. Uh, but we also are doing a new thing that's kind of interesting. On the website, at SequelQuestPod.com, we have what we're calling our Requel Review Series. Uh, the first of which is Kindergarten Cop 2, starring Dolph Lundgren. So if you wanted a, an in-depth review of Kindergarten Cop 2, it is available to you. Now, Adam, you might want to explain what a Requel is. Yes, so a Requel. This is the idea, because Kindergarten Cop 2, in this scenario, is not in continuity with the original Schwarzenegger film from 1990. So they've just rehashed the original plot, but put a two on the end. So it's a rehash or reboot and a sequel. We're calling it a requel. I just thought you meant it was a smelly sequel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Requel. Yeah. I, I just envisioned him walking into the kindergartner 
walking up to a kindergartner and going, I will break you. <laughs> they totally well, should have That's pretty that much what Arnold did. And that better be in the movie. <laughs> yeah, that really is sums it up. You get a foreigner who looks where kind are, of Where are these requels coming from? Because they did one for Jingle all the way, too. Only it was oh. Larry the Cable Guy yeah. taking over See, for that, Schwarzenegger. That'll be next. All yeah, the Schwarzenegger it's... films become requels. But speaking of which, who is this disembodied voice crossing over from another this format? This is our sequel chat partner here, Colton. I'm back. Hey, hey. Glad to have you here in this continuity. Yes, we've brought him in as our studio exec of the week to make the hard decisions when we can't come into agreement. <laughs> you know how bitter our break you. <laughs> All right, so we're now 20 episodes in, and it's time to kind of refresh the format a little bit. We've taken some input that we've gotten, and we're kind of rehashing it and tweaking what we do. This week, we're covering, if you haven't figured it out already, the X-Men franchise. Like, Woo. there are so many of them and so many weird storylines and timelines, yep. McAvoy or Stewart, <laughs> that we're not going to follow that up. X-Men Apocalypse comes out this weekend. If you haven't seen it, maybe go see it. The reviews are kind of up in the air. It's sitting at about mm -hmm. 50 somewhere. Very polarizing. Yeah, 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's doing bat better than Batman v Superman, but not or Civil War. Batman so. v Superman was at that spot in the beginning, and then it slowly went downward. Uh, so. I, I think any uh. film featuring Michael Fassbender or James McAvoy instantly gets a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes, though. They just elevate <laughs> yeah, anything right. they're in. And then where, where do you go from there? Oh, okay, then we got Jennifer Lawrence. Anyway, I'm not going to go on my Jennifer Lawrence rant, but I'm yeah. not a fan. Sorry, yeah. people. They're kind of <laughs> stuffing Mystique down our throat right yeah. now. You're very justified. I'll just say that but but yeah so but jeremy to Ooh, your point like haters. you said that there there are so <laughs> many x-men films we, they're just going to keep making sequels we don't need to imagine what they're going to do next they're going to give us what they're going to no, give us but they have announced certain things called spin-offs mm -hmm. so tonight mm -hmm. we're going to explore the many realms of the x-men and see what we can come up with for our own one-off spin-offs of the x-men yeah now, now to say that that was a failed experiment is an understatement they did have plans for that you may recall a film called x-men origins wolverine Yikes. tried to be forgotten by about everybody hey. jackman especially yeah. and, that, but and then, ryan reynolds especially. yeah, yeah. But that, but that was supposed to be the beginning. They were going to do X-Men Origins Magneto, which is what became X-Men First Class, and a, a bunch of other things like that. And it just, uh, it was so terribly handled with Hugh Jackman involved and getting his friend to direct. Yeah. And just all, he did not understand what it's, made X-Men great. It's like a kiss of death if you ever put X-Men Origins in front of another yeah. movie title ever. <laughs> Don't say that. I've got uh -oh. something similar in my titles, but it's way better, okay? <laughs> okay. All right. But I, what I'm curious to know, we're not going to go through you know, everybody's experience with every film, but did you know? I think we should each just mention what is our favorite of the, the series so far. Maybe, uh, Jeff, where do you fall on, on the X-Men films? Uh, as far as the films are concerned? Yeah. Um, uh, I guess Days of Future Past, I think, would be my favorite. Uh, I really felt like that was them, kind of like you guys were just saying, is that I felt like the the, the, the X-Men movies and then even the Wolverine movies just kind of started descending into nothingness. Fox has a very strange version of what how to adapt a comic book story onto the, the real screen. Uh, and then they got new life with um, uh, First Class, which I thought was great. And then Future Past, they kind of figured out a way to kind of tie those two together. 
Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed uh, uh, what they did, even though they did modify the story from the actual comic book. Uh, they, you know, they were inspired by a comic book, and they did a lot of references to the comic book, which I, I certainly appreciated. And Justin, what about you? What was your favorite thus far? Um, I, I've enjoyed them all, minus Origins, obviously. Oh, that's a cop uh, out! Come on. But no, it was it was terrible. Uh, but uh, the first three were great. Um, you know, there was really nothing that I could uh, compare them to at the time. But um, growing up with them, then seeing First Class, I thought First Class was really good. Um, and and sort of the new series of movies that are coming out with, I'm really excited about. So, here's to Apocalypse, hoping that it goes up from fifty percent. <laughs> Colton, uh, it's been such a tough choice for me because Days of Future Past was such a needed high point of redemption after all we sat there. I mean, first class was okay. In fact, more I think about it, I like first class more and more when I think about that flavor of Magneto's pain. Yeah. We only got a small hint of the the Holocaust life he experienced in Mm -hmm. the first X-Men movie for them to expand on that and really have that pain really take on a life of its own. Well, yeah, Fassbender was amazing mm -hmm. in conveying that in all his revenge scenes. Mm -hmm. It was so good. There's rumors we're going to see more of that in this Really? This movie, yeah. Okay. And, and, and I was worried about you know them bringing in Kevin Bacon. I was like, is he going to ham it up a little bit? It, it seemed like an unusual choice, and he was a, a terrifying villain. But yeah. I, I guess right now, because of the boldness and gusto that brought First Class to the screen, because when I first heard they're going to basically go back to the 60s and have them wear the yellow spandex, I was like, oh, <laughs> we're, we're going to have another colossal mistake like we did with Origins all over again. And they swung for the fence and they made it. And so just for the bravery of that, I don't know if it's the best X-Men film, but it's probably the boldest they've done. Because Days of Future Past, the storyline, we kind of already knew that was going to be great. First Class was a risk, in my opinion, that mm-hmm. I felt paid off. Jeremy? I'm going out of continuity and saying Deadpool? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The non-X-Men X-Men um, movie? Yeah, it's... Well, it's, it's got still... Colossus. <laughs> and I only Teenage ever see you two in the X-Mansion, almost <laughs> as if Fox had a limited budget. <laughs> I mean, other than that, it's like X2 was probably the high water mark up until Days of Future Past. Screen Junkies just put out an honest trailer for the 90s X-Men yes, TV I saw show. Today. We are going to be posting that. <laughs> yep. It was hilarious. It was awesome. Okay, well, well, that segues into my choice, which is Generation X from 1996. It's actually my favorite <laughs> X-Men film. <laughs> It was it was a oh, major no. event for me. I had a buddy. I I couldn't I couldn't record it. My VCR was broken. I gave him a tape. I said, "You got to record this for me." Yeah, and in I, the uh, honest trailer, they address VCRs directly. Yes, <laughs> but it, it's nineties. Look, it, it's terrible. But but at the time, it was the only live action X Men we had, and it was it was just so much fun to watch. You had Banshee, you had Emma Frost, you had Jubilee. Like it was, I don't know. Th- there was an excitement to it, and it was so nineties. That literally for this show that. That's what I watched to get an X Men oh, no. <laughs> flavor and feel. I went back and watched Generation X. Don't I'm feel di- bad. The standards were just TV. different back then. That's how yeah. Warner Brothers thought they could get away with Batman and Robin. Things <laughs> were just different. Back yeah, then. it was hyper colored everything. Mm-hmm. But no, but truthfully, like in the X Men series, I'm, I was not a huge fan of the Brian Singer films. I thought they were too dour. Like when they were the only thing going, it was like, yes, we have a superhero movies because mm-hmm. it was X Men or Batman. That's what you had. Right. But now, like um, when I look back and everybody is pretty much said it but for me first class was like this fresh start i thought
thought they were headed yeah. in a great direction. I was disappointed that Days of Future Past said, oh, no, but now we got to cram in all the old guys. They're back again who were not that great to begin with. Um, so I, I was happy when they brought like the whole new team together. But like I say, as long as they keep McAvoy and Fassbender in the films, like then I, I will consider them. But like if, if they had done this with just like Mystique, like Jennifer Lawrence was their big star and that's what they were pushing. I, I, I'm, I still am not super excited about uh, Apocalypse, but uh, but knowing that those two are in there, I'm like, okay, I'll give it a shot. Well, so. you might want to temper your expectations Uh-oh. going forward because essentially Jennifer Lawrence this week, she came out and said, you're going to have to back up the dump truck because That's good. herself, <laughs> McAvoy, and Fassbender mm-hmm. sat around and they were like, so do you want to do more? And then they all pretty much said, if you come back, we're all coming back. So it was like a friend's mutiny, like the, when the friend's like cast got together and said, you better pay us so all more. So if one of them doesn't want to come back, then all three of them aren't. Oh, wow. Well, Jennifer Lawrence is the one who's going to say no. She's the one who's got her star on the rise. I'm not being paid as much as the well, other ones. Well, <laughs> she's, she's been kind of wishy-washy. She's, she's been saying, I want to do more as long as they'll keep paying me kind okay. of thing. Well, can I just say, though, I don't understand how the makeup has gotten worse for her. Like, the, the makeup I thought in first class was great. Days of Future Past was, it seemed a little off. And then in the trailers that I'm seeing now, it's flaking off. looks I mean, terrible. Yeah. Like, it just, yeah. It looks, she's it looks probably bad. being, uh, this is just speculation. She's probably just being a little bit stingy about how much time they're having her sit in the Probably. Chair. Yeah. That, that would make sense. Well, she has a little more star power. Either that or they're around. having to try some different molds or different mm-hmm. styles of the paint, and it might not be turning out as well. Yeah. I would love it if she came out and she was just in like a blue bodysuit. <laughs> It was. It wasn't. It wasn't painted on. It wasn't anything. It was just literally like a blue onesie, yeah. just a blue morph suit. <laughs> she, she's just wearing Under a blue rooms. hoodie, and she's got it cinched around her, her, her head, <laughs> around her face. So yeah. Oh boy. Okay. Enough of that. <laughs> Let's get down to our pitches tonight. We are trying a little something else. Uh, we do have all four four of us. We have a pitch. So we're going to give a quick elevator style pitch. You've got 30 to 60 seconds to give us the resume of what you got. And then we'll get the full pitch of the winning one. And yeah, so, so everybody's going to get a chance to vote once yeah. everybody's given their short pitch. And so among the hosts, and again, Colton mm-hmm. here as our executive is going to be our tiebreaker if, if, if it comes to that. And uh, so we'll see where, where it all lands. All right. Now I've heard that Jeff is pretty confident. So Jeff, you want to start us off tonight? No, I'd rather go. I want to see how someone else does it. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll put you and Adam together towards the end. <laughs> Justin. I'll do it. So mine is about Jubilee, and I call it the little mutant that could. <laughs> uh, it's oh, no. about uh, uh. basically Jubilee versus Kid Omega from the comics. Um, starts in her hometown in upstate New York, and then she goes to college oh, with a sprawling green campus. I feel like it's got to be green. Uh, no city colleges. Uh, and the inspiration is uh, for me that she is the mutant with the most worthless powers. Uh, so I wanted to see what her story could be. And it's a coming-of-age story. It's a college comedy like Animal House or Neighbors or something like that. Oh, okay. Wow. That's, yeah, there we go. Jubilee. That was an elevator one, all right. Yep, you did it. All right. Well, in that case, I will go next. My pitch is called Sinister Origins. 
Mm. Okay. <laughs> I heard that's in the Strike one. Scene. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the pitch, Mr. Sinister. We're going to follow his 1865 origin because that's where he's originally from. And then as he's tinkering with his own biology, integrating new powers through a montage or set of cutscenes, advancing through time, following his obsession with the Summers family lineage. At that point, we'd also have him creating the orphanage that takes in Scott Summers and his making of the uh, ruby quartz lens. It's weird that Mr. Sinister is the one that creates that for him. I did not know that. Yeah. Mm. Then we'd get up to where the 90s are in the movie continuity, because that's where the next movie is supposedly set, which would put them about 10 years older. That would put him in line with all of this. And that's where Gene and Scott have a child by a dastardly plan of Mr. Sinister. And that child is Baby Cable. And Scott and Sinister have to team up in the third act in order to send Baby Cable to the future to save him and the future world against Apocalypse. I'm just hoping they refer to him as Baby Cable throughout the Oh, I totally will. (laughs) Baby Cable, what you doing? (laughs) His real name's Nathaniel, but Baby Cable. Nathaniel, Baby Cable, Cable. (laughs) Sweet Baby Cable. Cool. Well, that would fit in well with Apocalypse, because that's that's Sinister's whole plan. Right, and it's all tied in. Adam, do you want to go before Jeff, or do you want to see what Jeff's got? Jeff, are you feeling confident, buddy? I can go, sure. All right. Okay, so, well, and as a preface to mine, is that uh, my favorite, as a comic book fan, some of my favorite comic books are the ones that don't have a whole lot of action in them, and so I would love to see a comic book movie that wasn't based on action. So that's what mine is based on. Uh, Mine would be called Pride, P-R-Y-D-E, and um, it would start off with however Apocalypse ended with, I'm guessing, like a battle scene or something like that. Uh, Panning up, you see Professor X looking at the devastation, and he says that this is not my future that I imagined. I need to rebuild the school. So, uh, and this is, I always picture Patrick Stewart as my professor, so later, later on. So anyway, rebuilding the school, but they decide that Kitty Pride, because she is the youngest of the X-Men, needs to go back into school. So she goes back in reluctantly, um, but everyone kind of knows that she thinks she's better than everybody. So she doesn't, she's kind of like, you know, uh, alienated by all the other kids, but she's befriended by Colossus's younger sister, Ilyana. Uh, But Ilyana is a babe and Kitty is kind of a, a dorky looking person. Um, there's a school dance that they go to. They end up meeting. Uh, everyone's fawning over Ilyana, but uh, 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 Kitty ends up meeting this boy that's kind of a dork himself. They end up hitting it off, and they really start, you know, getting all over each other. Not like in a, a <laughs> '90s whatever kind of a way, but you know, just like in a nerdy their way into each other kind of a way. Wait, wait, Jeff, uh, are you insinuating that it was only in the '90s that people got all over each other? Well, no, the, those 90s kind of a, like, make-out. Yeah, okay. high school romance type thing. Things. All right. So anyway, so they're all over each other. Um, and then we, we kind of, as the audience, figure out that he's trying to figure out if he should tell Kitty his secret because he's in hiding because he actually is a mutant that has the ability to create um, light sculptures with his with his powers or whatever. But he's really afraid because, uh, you know, the mutants are being hunted and et cetera, et cetera. Um, some bullies end up picking on him and they end up, uh, threatening to turn him over because as a joke, turn him over to the mutant hunters. So he then commits suicide, um, which then faces all of the X-Men in particular Kitty with that reality of like, 
what does it mean to be a mutant? And this guy committed suicide because he was actually a mutant. And so then Kitty has to go to the school to give a like a speech about um, Larry who committed suicide and gives a, a speech about like being, you know, labels and how much labels can hurt. And now the reality is that we're all just, you know, people and that that's what really counts. Wow. I love, I love this trend. Uh, so far that we have that we have a jubilee film mm-hmm. and we have a kitty pride shadow cat film and uh, or sprite or what, what was ariel but she had so many different nicknames in the comics or aliases but that's so cool so anyway I, I, good good job jeff and justin jeremy digging into a <laughs> Thanks, villain man. spinoff yes all right so i think mine is the only one that is is an x-man proper uh but my film uh is called beast so, I, and by the way, this is the Kelsey Grammer beast from X3 because I wanted Frasier with mutants. And so that, that's what I'm getting here. So I shed on the sofa. <laughs> Hank McCoy, a.k.a. Beast, is secretly taking diluted doses of the cure serum from X-Men The Last Stand to enjoy life as a non-mutant for a few hours at a time. He begins getting hooked on this lifestyle, especially when he begins dating a, a former 70s pop star named Allison Blair, who is ironically a mutant rights act- activist. Uh, meanwhile, Hank is still teaching at the Xavier School for Gifted Children, but his dual life begins to catch up with him when during a battle with a group of religious extremists armed with cure-based weapons called the Purifiers, Beast's uh, slowly dwindling mutant strength and agility cost a young member of the X-Men her powers. Ultimately, Hank's addiction to the cure causes him to resign from the Xavier School to live life as a normal person with Allison. But when a battle breaks out between the X-Men and the Purifiers at a mutant rights fundraiser where Allison is the target, Hank's decisions come back to haunt him as mutant identities are revealed and life-altering decisions are made. So who will win the battle for genetic purity? Will Hank give up being Beast for good? Vote for my pitch and find out for the rest of the story. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Nice. You just gave a stump trailer. But yeah, in X Men: Last like I just I was like, why didn't we have Kelsey Grammer for all three films? Like he was just right next to Patrick Stewart. He was the perfect casting of an X Men character. Was, except for you're not going to see Kelsey Grammer jumping off buildings or doing right. anything like that. anything acrobatic. But that that was the great thing. You didn't need it, even though I loved his fighting in the final battle scene, his ape like fighting. But at the end of Days of Future Past, that small cameo of him was yes, so gratifying. Just standing there. That's yeah. true. All right, the voting begins. <gasps> all right, was there any? one that kind of stood out don't say stand out we just gotta vote we gotta go around oh fine no nobody gets an extra pitch here i really want to hear justin's i want to see the development of the mutant with the worst powers and how you develop that into this character-based story (laughs) you you, you (laughs) need to see the honest trailer today jubilee gets a little shade (laughs) well Well, it is true all right jeff who do you vote for I'd vote for that one as well. Again, I want to see a, a superhero story not based on action, and that's what it sounds like is happening. The romant would you call it a romantic comedy or just a high school? <laughs> no, comedy? It just it's a college comedy. College comedy. All right, Jeremy. Uh, well, in that case, oh. I'm going to vote for myself, so I win uh, three to five. Uh, done. Jeremy, where do you fall? No, you can't vote for yourself. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Actually, I was totally going to vote for yours, Jeremy. I, I Sinister is one of my favorite characters, so. That's fine. We'll take it to Netflix. <laughs> I, I've got a full Netflix series planned out. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> oh, look for that on our, on our Netflix article series. You could... But it sounds like we're going with Justin's pitch. Okay. Yeah. Jubilee. The little so mutant that could. Get to vote? 
<laughs> yeah, cool. The deciding oh, vote doesn't now, even count? I, I want to make it clear. I am using the mentality of a studio executive, and I am trapped between Jeremy and Justin. But I got to say, uh, are you guys familiar? Have you heard at all about the plot of the upcoming uh, Spider-Man Homecoming? Yes. They are, they are inspiring it after a John Hughes film, and I just thought that's so perfect. Oh, and nice. Ju- and Justin's pitch reminded me so much of that, so I think that edges it out just a little and bit. And it's female-led. Oh, well, that's mm-hmm. also Which important. is a big thing mm-hmm. nowadays. Uh, but <laughs> Go ahead, Colton. I, I want to touch on one other thing about uh, Adam's pitch. It's um, The Last Stand has bugged me for years because the Cure storyline, which I believe Joss Whedon made, such a good storyline, and the fact that it just felt so lackluster, I always wanted the studios to like kind of revisit that and do it better. And uh, Adam's pitch... You know, I think is a good avenue, a good way to go for that. Just, yeah. So you never know. That. Speaking of the other pitches, we will make them available to you. So we'll probably just everybody's going to get a chance to read their pitch and then put it. Uh, we'll put it on the end of the episode. So if you want to listen after the the end credits, you'll be able to hear Jeff's pitch in full, my pitch in full, Jeremy's full Netflix series. Yes. So you can get it all. Um, <laughs> Now, and the other part of it, too, the reason I think a Jubilee film would work, it sounds like, I mean, and she's mostly kind of forgotten in the comics these days. She's not a major character. But in the 90s, she was, like, at the beginning, you know, that first Night of the Sentinels pilot for the 1992 X-Men animated series. It was all about Jubilee. Generation X, she's the main character. So it's like, there was that moment in time where Jubilee, everybody knew who she was, even though she was ridiculous. that yellow jacket. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, like, the nostalgia part of it really works and it's not yeah. like she's the only one in the film i mean there's going to be other x-men in the movie so but 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 putting her front and center you could really play up that whole concept oh yeah i remember her from the cartoon and everybody's like oh yeah so there we go by the way i'd have to mention this and i'll see if i can put it up on on the on twitter but we way back when i i was searching around i don't even know i was just looking for like uh, a jubilee photo of, of something and i found an ad that was for a fashion like it was like an actual fashion ad but it had a girl dressed like jubilee but like the photographer must have done it intentionally or whoever it was just really weird i was like it looked just like her and she was like dancing around in the rain and yeah. it was so strange she had the yellow jacket she had like the earrings she had like it was it was really like wow. the, the color scheme was exactly right and, and i was like and there, there's no way shoot? it was a coincidence no it couldn't it couldn't okay, be i don't right. think so it was it was just too spot on like Okay. The shirt underneath the yellow jacket to the you know the color of the okay. pants like everything was right. There. I mean those colors just go together. I'm just saying. Well, <laughs> no denying it. And and Fox is embracing the Jubilee pitch in their viral marketing. They put out an Xavier School for Gifted Children commercial. Okay. Online, you can find it. It looks like it was recorded in the 90s, and it's the oh, actor wow. that's in the movie. And there's, there's a-, a phone number that works. <laughs> And it's Stan Lee that answers it. That oh, has, wow. Was it the one that had the little bit of the static and tracking? Yeah. Issues? Yeah, okay. Oh, I think I saw great. that one. Now, Justin, do you have the full pitch to, yeah, to share totally. with us? I All mean, right, it's yeah. not, definitely not uh, Adam length. Uh, <laughs> uh, to, as I'm assuming yours would be. Um, it's more of a Justin length. Should I get into it? Yeah, let's hear yeah, it. Yeah, go for okay, it. Okay, so basically she is a nerd when she's a kid, always picked on, and uh, her dad works for the city in upstate New York. Uh, she helps him out every 4th of July, which is when she's useful. Uh, when they are, uh, and, 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 and when she's growing up, when they are closest as a family. Uh, so then she's a nerd growing up. She's always picked on, but then she gets into college, and she's still a nerd, but she becomes popular when at, a, when at Pledge Week, 
for a sorority. She gets drunk and gets a party really going when she uses her power to <laughs> everyone's delight. The sorority sisters uh, get her to uh, start doing pranks on teachers, on other sororities and fraternities. Uh, one prank on a rival fraternity gets her a personal rival in Quentin Choir, who's Kid Omega. He's the leader of the frat only because he has mind-controlling powers. And eventually the two of them go head-to-head, -head, and Jubilee and her sorority sisters emerge triumphant. They are able to break his psychic connection to his brothers and win because of their organic connection to each other. Mm. Aw, sister. Very nice. Organic. I, li I like that. The romance, that's overused. Well, I mean, it's I didn't say like, because of their farm-to-table connection to each other. <laughs> Will there be a scene of them doing a car wash to raise money for the sorority? <laughs> I, I mean, I can only assume as the executive this, that you would want that in there, sir. This uh, sounds like a spinoff of Neighbors 2. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically it's just... It's like, Neighbors 2 with powers. Well, it's not working. Yeah. You're only making up sexy. <laughs> so, so this is my question first off as I heard that. I was realizing, okay... Number one, her parents are accepting of the fact that she's a mutant and letting her use her powers in public. Same with not all the public, kids not at in school. Public. She's okay. like she's like behind a thing and you know, just throwing <laughs> She's like Oz the Great and Powerful, just behind her curtain and then exactly, launching fireworks. Exactly. Okay. She's on the boat, but she's like in a box. I don't know. But Whatever. but but that that's kind of a cool dynamic, whereas, you know, in X two we saw Iceman's parents were so against him being a mutant, you know. Have you tried not being a mutant? Exactly. Right. I didn't want this to be about that because so many of the movies yeah. are about the yeah. whole like yeah. is it okay being a mutant? I want this to be just like it's another movie, but they have powers. Yeah, which is great. So it's just mm -hmm. like you push all that angst aside, and it's just, it's a different kind of angst. Like you said, it's about her being a nerd. It's about her being an outcast. Right. And then suddenly be accepted because she has this power. I think that's yeah. that's great. <laughs> Jeff just changed his avatar on Skype to Jubilee. Oh, no. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> just to show exactly what Justin was saying. Yeah, he's supporting it. The most ridiculous it. power. But, so, yeah, but getting back to Justin's story. So the other the, – the one element – so it's all taking place on the college campus. Campus, right, Justin? for the most part, yeah. I think you grow up with her in the first, like yeah. beginning of the first act, and then and the sorority is having her do these pranks and things. Is there, um, is it kind of like a Revenge of the Nerds style thing where there's an actual competition between the fraternity, Quentin's fraternity, and the sorority? Is there like that type of thing, or what is the, the sure? Conflict? Why not? Yeah. I mean, I was just thinking that they would have they'd start doing like worse, and so they start doing like light pranks around, they start messing with people, whatever, but then Quentin fraternity and um, Jubilee sorority just start going like head to head prank to prank and worse and worse and worse until okay. it gets out of hand and uh, maybe they're both suspended both of the um, uh, uh, fraternity and sorority are suspended and they have to do something to get back into school or whatever I just figured that I'd want the two of them to go head to head and yeah well it, it, my, my, my thought about like where it goes overboard because you're right it has to kind of come to that that come mm -hmm. to a head and you're like oh okay this because the, the joke being that her powers are useless but I right. feel like at a certain point like she either gets framed or something where like her her fireworks does ignite something it blows up a car or something happens you know sure. where somebody gets or hurt burns down their own their own sorority yeah and she exactly. has to like and everybody turns against her you yeah. know so um, what if we accords. added because i feel like yeah i mean if you're going to make this a movie about jubilee and not just like the the fact that she has powers is a side story what if it's that she has powers and nobody cares 
Oh, okay. I think that's great. That's actually pretty funny. <laughs> Everybody, look. <laughs> They're like, exactly yeah. what she can do, and it's almost—it's almost like you know they could, you could have like the backstory of, oh, we hate mutants. Well, I make fireworks. Oh, well, you're not even worth hating then. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that Can would we... actually, be, yeah. So I, I, you could, it could be much more. I don't want to say exactly like Deadpool, but it's much more like self-aware. The film, mm-hmm. like the attitude of the film is kind of like you see her, you know, like you say, trying to stand out, trying to be cool because she's a mutant and nobody, nobody gets on board with that to hate her or to praise her. So she's just stuck in the middle the whole time. So that's totally. great. You could even have like a montage because I know, Adam, you were saying about like throwing in the other X-Men and stuff like that. There could be. And who was it? It's somebody's backstory. I think it's Marvel Boy's backstory where he applies for the Avengers and they say no thank you. Yeah. It could be something like that where she like applies to, you know, Professor Xavier's school for the gifted and she gets rejected. Sorry, you're just not interesting enough. And that, I mean, just like as a little side thing, just to kind of set well, up her, yeah. her lane. Well, that was my thought, because I was, again, I was saying, like, how, how are we going to work the other X-Men characters into the, the franchise, or, you know, from the franchise into this film? Because I feel like that people are going to expect that. They're going to want to see other other mutants that they know okay, on well, some level. Well, maybe cameo or maybe with that center. point, we open the movie with some sort of like graduation yeah, cause, from cause, yeah. Xavier's school. And so you show like her group of friends. But the reason they're graduating out is because their powers are worthless. So, like, so they could no, make the field no team to go out and to save the day. Humanity, yeah. really. They're getting sent to a regular school. Yeah. They're being graduated from Xavier's and sent to a regular four-year university. Well, if that, that's what it should be. It's because their powers aren't dangerous enough where they need to be like taught kind about of isolated or protected. Yeah, how do you? They don't even have to learn how to and use. And this their could powers. be where she she tries to apply to get on to the real X-Men team mm-hmm. and she's turned down. Right. Yeah. Except for, I don't know. I kind of like, cause I know like what Justin started with is that if we're going from the idea, almost like the opposite of Deadpool, we're going from the idea that this is the character with the most worthless powers. So I kind of like, and especially if we're then building up her feeling like an outsider, that could actually start that whole trend where like everybody else is accepted, but she's not. Like, she's the one, as opposed to there's a whole group of rejects. Now, where the, the what other question I have is where in continuity is this? Because it would be very fun to see the, the social hierarchy at the Xavier School. So who are the cool mutants and who are the lame mutants that she has to hang out with? Like, the few <laughs> friends that she does have, you know? So, but, but are we saying that this is taking place, like, modern day? So it's just like a new crop, fresh well, crop. Well, it would have to play it... along with the movies. So you want it to be '90s then, so, because that's where where it, they're headed. Yeah, I mean that's where her outfit is too. Yeah, so. right. I mean, well, it, I don't know. I mean, like, doesn't be... she just go to a public school? Right. If she that's gets graduated was... to the public school, and she's going to be at the public school. Then we're not really going to see the hierarchy of. Well, but I'm right. saying at the beginning, so it's like that was high school for her. The Xavier School was high school, and now college, she's going out into the real world. Uh, so so okay. we, we see like the brief. So she's moments. like a. She's She's like a dropout. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, no, she's graduating, but they're but they're saying like her her next goal was to be on the X Men field team. She yeah. wants to be out there helping them save the day. But they're saying 
there's just not a use for you. Sorry, sorry, sweetheart. There's just nothing we could do with you. Right. You know, and then it's just, and they got to pick somebody whose powers are almost as worthless as hers. Yeah. Just well, and, and, and so I think, right. yeah. And then Insult she goes to, to college, and so she's so like Justin's whole premise. She's so bummed out. She's so you know out of the loop of everything, and nobody cares. She she has the big you know big moment at the party where everybody thinks she's great, kind of like Tony Stark in Iron Man Two. Right. Shooting the watermelons and you know everything else. You know he's just showing off, and everybody's like, "Wow, you're amazing!" But it's all just because they were like high and whatever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And they're and they're wasted, and then but then she somehow gets pledged into the sorority from that. So then you know you get the whole kind of. Uh, I don't know. Do sororities do as much hazing as fraternities? Is that is there a I similar? Think so. <laughs> Anybody? Different kinds. Though. After seeing girls. that movie, Mean Girls, I feel like anything's possible. Uh, <laughs> I would assume yes. Well, right. Although, if we are setting it in present day, I mean, hazing is kind of like taboo now. now. Yeah, yeah so that's true. It's kind of. Yeah, but it's yeah. the '90s, so no. We're <laughs> doing <laughs> <laughs> a '90s college film, um, but 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 yeah, but uh, the other the other side of it then is. Um, so just going back to the incident, so we say like, you know, she she is very popular, everybody's into what she's doing, she's front and center in the prank war, but I think like, like, because, can you guys think of any pranks that are going to res- revolve around her fireworks? Like, that's what I'm trying to think of right now, like, why is she the one they want to use so much? Are they finding creative ways mm. to use her powers? Because that's what I feel like this would be about, is yeah, like, yes. finding creative ways to use the worthless Exactly. <laughs> Cause, I mean, I mean she, she would do well, like and, some electrical thing, like okay. she would fire work uh, the fuse box. Do well, I, I think that would be even more so, is that give her something, like a task that her powers are supposed to help her in, but they don't. Like, hey, can you short out this with your powers? Sure. Psh. Oh, it, it, didn't, it didn't do that. Sorry. So she's learning, yeah, like continuing to learn the limits so of her powers. She's actually like a lousy pranker. <laughs> Like well, yeah, because I'm wondering like okay, she could she could light up a room, you know. So like I like yeah, there's fireworks going off. She could you know freak somebody out, give give the dean a heart attack, you know, like by accident, you know that could be that could be an issue. Like I'm I'm just wondering like with her, uh, with her light display, could it um, could it you know a, again aside from what we're saying when it does go too far. Is that is that what does it really have an effect on? Well, how about this? Instead of trying to figure out what affects her, because we've all established that uh, she can't really do that much. Yeah. Uh, what about if she has the event where she gets popular because she does that, and then she just becomes popular, so she just starts doing pranks with the the team so and having fun with plan, the girls pranks, that yeah. aren't don't involve her powers. Okay. But as soon as they do she's she lights the sorority on fire and okay. that's what starts the downward spiral yeah and maybe maybe what it is is yeah again like so so this whole competition with with the fraternity because i feel like she should be set up it's basically like they burn it down while she's like you know shooting off her fireworks somewhere like like sure. the, they like they create like an incident out front and she's blasting them and then mm-hmm. they set the fire and they say look she's dangerous you know that that's why everybody turns on her but right. uh, what is what is the Quentin guy? What is what uh, is his Kid goal? Omega? He's just uh, he's basically from what I read, and I, I read a comic with him in it. Um, Wolverine and the X Men was a series for a while, mm-hmm. and um, he's like on par with Jean Grey, basically not not Phoenix Jean Grey, but 
like almost there. His powers uh-huh. are pretty, pretty intense. Marvel girl Jean Grey, yeah. Okay, yeah. so so but he but, but so he's he but you're saying he has like kind of psychic influence yeah. also on people. Yeah. Um, okay. So, but but do we do we want to say is he it was the idea that he was also an outcast, but he wasn't because now he was making everybody like him with his powers. Right. So okay. he was an outcast like Jubilee, um, and he was a big nerd, but uh, he ends up like taking over the fraternity, and he's in he's in a superficial place of power because it's not nobody voted him in there. He just he basically made people vote him in there okay all right and then um but yeah like i always love the films where where like you know there there is that college competition so mm-hmm. like in ad- addition to like the prank war like uh, like you know almost like monsters university had it fairly oh, recently yeah. you know where there's like the 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 games that everybody's trying to win and then you're the champion you know mm-hmm. so i just i wonder if that should play any part if we literally just keep it prank war issue you know she has to go now she basically gets expelled from school for the incident the sorority kicks her out she has to go back to the xavier school because that's what i feel like that would be the reason she would go back now they're saying okay apparently you are dangerous you know that that's what it seems she's like oh but i'm really not it wasn't me you know and then she gets some type of mentoring about you know just being yourself now the person i thought should be her mentor is the person i put in my pitch allison blair is the dazzler yeah. from the 70s who her powers were a prototype of jubilee she has light powers yeah <laughs> and she was a, she was a disco mm-hmm. star and and or, you know eventually a kind of a rock star but she could do light shows for her concerts you know so was, <laughs> you know <laughs> So like that was her power. Yes, exactly. And so that's what I'm saying. Like she could be like, look, I know what it's like to have a power that is useless, but let me tell you what you could really get out of life. Like what life is really about. Yeah, Yeah. make it work for you. Yeah. So she becomes the mentor, and she's like a music coach at the Xavier School. You know, so she's like a vocal (laughs) coach. Not even PE. Yeah. (laughs) What if I don't like? Because because what if we went? I, I don't know. In a different. Because I feel like it's kind of the 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 John Hughes like cliche sort of a thing where it's the person with the ability that nobody thinks is worth anything figures out how to make it worth something and they save the day and they become the hero in the end. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like with this one that the tone of her having a useless power, I feel like a different ending would be more appropriate instead of like almost this, this fact of like, I don't know about embracing the fact that it's worthless or maybe that's the end. Maybe she lives a completely ordinary, normal life that is no one cares that she's a mutant at all. Like it's a very anticlimactic sort of a, mm-hmm. an ending to it. So like, so she learns basically not to try to use her mutant power to define herself that she's been trying so hard to do that mm. all her life. No, I no, not I, even. I don't even see a happy ending. I kind of see it like, no, you're worthless. <laughs> the end. Like, live a mediocre, ordinary life. And we just see her like she entertains at children's parties. Like, yeah. she just like does nothing. She's like, ah, well, you like this kid. Well, I mean, I we're going so. the route of like a Seth Rogen movie, then sure. <laughs> well, because that was again, if we're, you know, well, it's funny because, and I don't know if you guys are familiar that they created a, a a character called the what's she called Squirrel Girl. Oh yeah, I think it is. And Squirrel Girl has like defeated most of the <laughs> hugest bad guys in all of the Marvel universe. She's taken down Thanos. Yeah. yeah, and the joke is that she has like virtually no powers. 
So, and that's kind of why she's a spoof, kind of. Yeah. So it's like, we could go that route, where again, you know, Jubilee saves the day, and then the happy ending is the X-Men say, well, let's have you join us after all. Be Wolverine sidekick, yada, yada. Or if we really want to go Deadpool, then we go in a completely different direction. But even Deadpool has, like, somewhat of a happy ending. So I feel like if we end up having her do birthday parties and, like, she's a clown for the rest <laughs> of her life at birthday parties, then at least, like, have her get the guy or something, you know? Yeah. Like, right. th- there's some there's some plus that she ends up gaining, aside from the realization that her power is suck and she should just be herself. Yeah. And then she ends up Starbucks. Yeah. Yeah, and she's like, life's good. And, you know, so now the the only question I would have then left with that is the whole Quentin storyline. Justin, did you say initially that they end up together because like they come from a similar place of feeling? I, like I didn't, losers? but sure. Yeah. Well, like like that. That's what I wonder. Like, is he really a villain, or is he? He's just again low self esteem, misguided, using his powers. So maybe like when isn't she... that what all villains are? <laughs> yeah. But but like even more like sad. You know. So sure, he's less yeah, sinister. Totally. We just see him as wow, this guy is sad. And, and she they she sees through it. So they, maybe when she gets that confidence from Dazzler, <laughs> <laughs> she she goes back to him and she's you know and she like basically tries to talk him you know into being a, a better person. Or he's just like he probably doesn't take it seriously either he probably just laughs her off you know and so she's like wow i can't even do that right you know like just nothing <laughs> nothing works but then he kind of I think the main plug of this being her like pretty much failing at every turn yeah. until she succeeds the couple of times mm-hmm. like that's where you're going to get a lot of the comedy well, they, from just what, watching what if that's her it fail. though what if yeah. there is this skill that she displays throughout the film just like kind of nonchalantly like it's kind of just in the background in different scenes she's doing something like she makes a great cup of coffee and then she becomes an awesome barista. <laughs> that's what she becomes works wow. at Starbucks. Yeah, so so everybody's always telling her, Oh, this coffee's so good. And that's just like and she, you know, she oh yeah, thanks. You know, but she doesn't it's never emphasized, but she's always making coffee for everybody. That's why at the end we determined, you know, okay, she's an amazing coffee drinker or coffee, you know, barista, but she's not a, a great mutant hero. So what? She's got the her cutscene her... at the very end should be that that was actually her superpower the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> but what Mocha I would essence. say, I would add in if we do that route, Adam, is yeah. that I would throw Dazzler back in, but Dazzler comes in to mentor her and uh-huh. Jubilee like goes, no, no, I don't think so. <laughs> just rejects her. This is how you can really use this for yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That's that's a tough one. Um, I I was doing some research here on I guess Jubilee's powers throughout the comics, and she's been able to do a psionic shield. Was yeah. that one comic? Yeah, probably <laughs> yeah. one. But they did say that her fireworks mm-hmm. can create concussive blasts. Okay. So maybe it's she's working at the coffee shop, and it's one of the last scenes of the movie. Oh, dude! Yeah. Somebody tries to mug yeah. the cashier. And she does it, and it's more than the fireworks this time. It's like yeah. a full-on blast, throws yeah. the guy into the wall, knocks him out, and she's just like, I didn't know uh, I could do that. Cut. But yeah. then you're still redeeming Jubilee, though. Well, <laughs> well, I feel like this is the unredeemable. That's the joke. 
Yeah, but she's going to be in the other X Men movies, so she's why? Some... <laughs> she's Jubilee. Yeah, but exactly that's the joke. If we made a movie that everybody was laughing at Jubilee, she would not be in the X Men movies, other than as a joke. Uh, they so might you're... go to his, her coffee shop. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they, she just shows up in every scene, and everybody loves her fashion, and it's, they love it's her. It's the coffee shop near the X Men, and she writes the correct name on the cup. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So they they appreciate her. Uh, no, but that that's a great ending jeremy i think that's awesome because yeah there, there she has a power you didn't expect and that like jeff i know what you're saying like just leave it leave it be she was useless and she just lives a mundane life and that's you know that's where she ends up but it gives us but, an out in case they use exactly her down the road. And i just i just yeah. think that's a fun little moment you're just like oh wow she could have she could have helped out you know like well, that and we don't exactly know what her powers are in the movies they've said that it's a little different than just fireworks okay. so it's probably I mean, going this route. <laughs> it's probably going the concussive blast route. Yeah. yeah. So this might even slot in just before apocalypse kind mm-hmm. of thing. We can play with the timeline as we as needed. Yeah. But. You know the sad part is like that. Ellen Page was already cast as as Kitty Pride because I think she would actually make a pretty fun Jubilee, like attitude wise. She's too like, old though. You think so She's now? Now. Yeah. Now. But she plays young. Look at her. She does play young, yeah. but still, I would think Jubilee. Well, I mean, in this one, she's eighteen. Mm-hmm. So I don't think Ellen Page can play eighteen. Yeah. Well, but I yeah, and I would just say somebody with a similar style of attitude because I I'm imagining right. I'm imagining Jubilee kind of a Juno esque character who's just kind of quirky and weird, and that's why she's an outcast. You know, like she's just trying to do her thing, and did everybody's see, just like, "Who are you?" Did you like, see her performance in that movie Super? Uh, I I never saw it, but I heard it was pretty I intense. Yeah. yeah, she was the sidekick in that movie, the wannabe superhero. Mm-hmm. So she knows how to pull off the desperate. I want to join the. Yeah, be part of the team. Yeah. yeah. So, but I just, I just think also uh, with Jeremy's ending, as soon as she knocks that guy out, it, of course it's gonna pan over to Hugh Jackman just sipping on her espresso, and he just looks at her and just does the head nod. He's just like <laughs> gives her the Falcon <laughs> Winter Soldier head nod. Oh yeah. <laughs> the code transcends all. <laughs> no, but but no, but, it, but Jeff, what you're fighting for, I think the attitude of the film. It does need to be that. I think it really does need to shift from any angst to really just like ridiculous, like co- like Justin, you Worthless, were kind of pitching the college really. humor, kind right. of a slacker film. You know, it's just like just everything that's going on is just you know like that. There's there's those att- the attempts at having a moral or the attempts at having resolution for the most part are scoffed at. And for the most part, like, you know, it zigs, well, you know, you think it should zag, whatever, you know, like it, it just is constantly turned on its head. We think it's going this way and it doesn't. And, and that's what makes the film itself unique is that, you know, you're, 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 you're thinking it's going to just be a, a standard, you know, John Hughes films or whatever it's going to be, you know, but it, it doesn't necessarily end up that way. Cause I do love the idea of her settling, you know, it's just like, right. like well, I make a good cup of coffee. Too, is that if we're going to go for some sort of poignant meaning, the reality is probably 100%, but let's say skeptically 98% of us don't have superpowers. So if we're watching this movie, like to say like, Hey, it's okay to live your life without superpowers. 
powers. That's kind of like none of these superhero movies say that, but cause, yeah. you know. And then so. at the end, and then at the end, we're giving all those people the finger. Exactly. <laughs> to be that fair, I did see one Disney Channel original movie that had that message, but you know. There you go. <laughs> you guys ever see Up, Up and Away? That that's what it was. Oh yeah. It it, it had that message in it. Yeah, that's not a big blockbuster. So. <laughs> all right. I well, see your point. I think we pretty much you know got we got the attitude down. We got the basic plot down. We got our ending. Mm-hmm. So there it is. Um, I mean, we've got our main actress cast already. Yeah. So and I I I haven't seen her you know yet. I haven't you know I haven't seen X Men right. Apocalypse. I'm, I'm just gonna assume that she does well. She, she's as have some Jubilee. personality. Yeah. Now wait, who is who who who? Um. Well, the, the actress that is playing Jubilee. And by the way, Jubilee <laughs> did technically appear in the in the early I think it was at X two in the museum scene where everybody freezes. She was one of the kids on the field trip. There was right. a Jubilee actress uh, in there with the, with the outfit on, but she is not. Uh, it's not the same actress uh, coming yeah, back for different. this. I don't believe so. Uh, it continuity, is continuity. <laughs> Yeah, it is Lana Condor, which is a great name. Yeah, <laughs> is, Lana it, Condor. is it? It's the the Asian gal. Mm-hmm. Yes. No. Born in Vietnam. Vietnamese. So I'm trying to imagine right now the poster art. And like my first thought was just I want like a sparkly like hologram poster with Jubilee on it. But multicolored stars. Yeah. Just like just like so like an, or maybe just like a Lisa Frank type poster. I, where it's I was waiting. Like, I was waiting uh, for somebody to say yeah, that. Like it wasn't going to be me. That would be great. But but she and I, I wonder if if her attitude on it is it that she is like like living in a fantasy world like just like like tried to imagine being like fantastic on the poster the same you know? vacant look on her face that steve carell had on the poster for 40 year old virgin oh okay there you go yeah she's just like <laughs> you know like so she's just so because maybe that is her attitude throughout it's like she's trying so hard but she does kind of believe in herself it's just that nobody else does okay and so, and so it's All like right. there's a desperation but it's more from just like don't you guys understand i i really am a great look at all i can do you know and, and yeah. nobody's ever behind it you know but she's that but we love her because she's the eternal optimist you know yeah. type thing so but i'm I just literally that... imagining uh colton because you said that i'm imagining <laughs> her face with uh steve carell's expression and it's just a big <laughs> picture of her face yeah. with some fireworks around it done there we go <laughs> jubilee oh and, and, and if the tagline is you it's gotta be something like why don't you believe you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> believe in yourself, because yeah. no one else will. Wow. Do, wow. do you believe well it? Done. Do you believe a, a gal can do fireworks? I don't know. But it's got to be something with you believe. <laughs> That's going to be the hashtag, at least, for the promotion. Hmm. Okay. All right. I was going to throw in, I don't know if we're going to do ca- any more casting, but my thought was, as far as when she goes to the X-Men and they they replace her with someone almost as useless. My two thoughts were either one, he was never an X-Men, but he is useless. Speedball, the oh. guy that just bounces all the time. Yeah. Or Cypher, the guy that can just speak every language. <laughs> Let's go with Cypher. Cypher. Studio it's a little head. bit harder to convey his worthlessness <laughs> cast in a Jason fight. Schwartzman is Cypher. Uh-huh. Uh, Jason Schwartzman, good at any role. It's true, although it would only be one line. He hey, but he could sell. He it. needs to look. He needs to look worthless in a fight, though. Well, yeah, did you Jason see Schwartzman. Scott? Well, I guess he was pretty cool <laughs> in Scott Pilgrim, actually. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, I get Cipher in there. Just like, wait, what does he do? Like, he can speak any language. Great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I have Google Translate. <laughs> yeah. All so, right, I can get behind him. Yeah. 
But yeah, like I mean, that goes back to my question: is who are the cool mutants at, at the high, you know, at, at the Xavier School? Like I don't know, like what I mean. Jeff the and X-Men. I have a history with Longshot, who is you know he's lucky, you know he's he's got you know luck on his side. That's his mutant power. See, but he'd be older though. Well, you need to go with to like be. the Generation X group. Yeah, get Mondo back in there and. I don't know. No, I mean like the the comic book Generation X. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Mondo was one of those characters. He's the guy who could absorb anything. Yes, he was. He was Mm. awesome in the movie. But uh, but he but yeah, his power is he can absorb the properties of any any uh, thing he touches. So that was kind of a cool power. That's going to require some faith after what Ang Lee did with that. With the the oh yeah, that's true. The Hulk's dad. But yeah, like I don't know. Penance was. Wait, isn't that? Yeah, Speedball became Penance. Speedball became Penance, and then did actually join the X Men. But he was creepy at that point. Yes, yeah, very very creepy. Very goth creepy. Yeah, yeah. We haven't really talked about you know other than like who would who would play Dazzler then if Dazzler shows up to try to mentor her. I wonder if there is like Watts. Naomi Watts. Naomi Watts. I think Olivia Newton-John should of play Dazzler. Of course Dazzler. you do. She'd be great. <laughs> oh, she, she would be, she'd be she very cool. Is she still around? Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. Because she's doing her, concerts. We know she's Glenn still Close. around because her boyfriend or husband was Glenn trying to run Close away from is her or something. a rock Uh-oh. star? Well. Naomi Watts isn't bad. My other thought was, uh, as soon as you said Olivia Newton-John, was uh, Jennifer Grey. Oh, well, she's awesome. I mean, but she... Doesn't she not look the same anymore? She got she, a lot of surgery, yeah, plastic she got, surgery. But I never had point. any problem with her no, nose, and she. Yeah, but, but you're just kinda, saying she looks kind of dazzlery now. Because, well, and I, she was in Flashdance, right? Wasn't that her? Or no, was she uh, Dirty was Dancing? Beals. Yeah, D- Dirty Dancing is her. Okay. Now she's married to uh, Agent Coulson in real life. Oh, really? See? Mm-hmm. So she's That's already awesome. Clark Gregg. in there. <laughs> well, Jennifer Grey is Dazzler. Why not? Either so that. She's already got a Marvel connection, so. Although I've never actually seen her act, would be Pat Benatar. <laughs> then you're getting the, the throwback where it's like she actually is a rock star well, i was gonna say if we're if we're gonna go that route just get liza minnelli come on she was great on arrested development <laughs> liza minnelli are you <laughs> oh my god a rock star uh, but, but she died With are you sure she'll be of our movie uh, liza minnelli yeah so come on her. we gotta bring in a whole new segment but, but, of the audience there but uh about pat benatar if you're gonna actually have her perform in the movie they gotta have a a fight scene on the stage while she's singing yeah. "Love Is a Battlefield." You know, yes. that would just, yeah, that, that yeah, that that would, that would be a great moment. Actually, she's just busted out like, "Oh, I well, I guess so." If that's what you want, and she <laughs> starts doing her show, doing her light show with her powers. Um, now, the other thing I'll just mention real quick is we got Pat Benatar. Jeff and I worked at, you know with a guy once who uh, he was a chronic liar, and he once told me he said, "Yeah, I, I'm personal friends with Pat Benatar and Paul Stanley." And one day I was at my house, or I was at my friend Pat's house, and Paul Stanley came over after a show, and it was his birthday, and he still had the makeup and the platform boots on, and we <laughs> made him a cake and we sang "Happy Birthday." <laughs> so every time I think of Pat Benatar, I'm just like Pat Benatar hanging out with Paul Stanley. After a show and singing happy birthday. And that reminds me of John Lovitz's pathological liar character. Oh, yeah, my wife, Pat Benatar. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's the ticket. (laughs) Anywho, all right, now, um, I guess, like, that's that's really it. I mean, as far as casting wise, well, Kid Omega, like, right? Ju- oh, oh yeah, yeah, Kid guy. Omega. Well, and and the one I also got to throw in is that we have to have, as with any good college movie, there's got to be the the crotchety old dean. We got to <laughs> get him. That's true. Somebody's got to play it safe. Her. Get Paul Gleason from Breakfast Club. Oh, just but yeah. no, but you know what would be is great? He still around? Is, 
Yeah. He, he's got to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Come on. It's not that long ago. But like, but what about the Dean? Again, she's always trying to like make her mark and the Dean never, he may see the prank and he's just like, you kids. Like he never, he never actually busts any of them for what they're doing. <laughs> he never cares. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like never, it's never bad enough. He's like, oh man, I've seen worse. You know, like just, he just laughs them all off. Cause that's what I'm saying. Like, does it have to be a crusty stereotypical old Dean or is it, is it maybe a kind of a new age? Like, hey, man, whatever. Like, he, like, just I like, a guy I like who really that he's a care. new age dean and yeah. he's like kind of cool and doesn't really care. Yeah. Otherwise, I'd vote every time for J.K. Simmons. It's, I always vote for J.K. Simmons. <laughs> yeah, he's great. Who do you got, Colton? No, no, but he, maybe, he maybe exactly we cast J.K. Simmons? Simmons just make him to look have really, him come like, in. really slackery dean. <laughs> Someone like big. that who's known for playing tough roles come in and play a role that should be tough and then totally play against type. Yeah. Just that would be practically okay. movie history right there, you know? Yeah. All right. <laughs> J.K. Simmons as the dean. You want, and that's, well, again. As was, the laid back cool dean. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, is there any... Yeah, so the Quentin character, though. So if she's going to sort mm. of have a rivalry, sort of yeah, have a romance... who's a rival, but, then? Yeah, What's so who's, look like? who's this guy? Because now the one in the comics, he's kind of a punk-looking, like, punk rocker kind of looking kid. Mm-hmm. I don't... I, we, yeah, just because he has no hair, but he's like a yeah. super nerdy... If, right, but he, he has that hipster punk look to that, him, which we don't have to What's his keep, last name? His first name... He played Rufio in Hook. If he were younger, Dante... Uh, Dante Basco, man. Yeah, that's his name. Sorry. <laughs> He's a he's a voiceover artist. Did you ever get a reply back from him? I did not. With our hook episode, I I, I personally invited Dante Basco wow. to listen to the podcast. I've not heard because Jeff makes some pretty inflammatory statements about him on that episode. <laughs> he's just throwing. <laughs> so him I was under hoping the bus. to get a flame war going, you know, on Twitter, but uh, nothing he, yet. He may not be doing movies anymore, but he still has quite a voiceover career. So, oh yeah, I, I would I wouldn't risk throwing shade his way. But yeah, if he were younger, I I can envision him being the college rival. Who is the young Dante? Dante Basco. Come on. Somebody give it to us. Who is the new Dante Basco? <laughs> Dev Patel. What, uh, he doesn't look exactly like him, but for some reason he's got the flavor I'm kind of looking for. You know? Okay. In, in, in terms I of demeanor. See that. Dev Patel is the Kid Omega rival. Yeah. Okay. You yeah. Know, that, Slumdog Millionaire. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah. can work. And, and it's kind of a different... Mm-hmm. The Ooh, different... Well, if we're going that route, what about um, Danny Pudi? Uh, well, he, but he's older, though. Route. That's the only thing, though. He's so he's so much... He looks older. He, you know, from Community, if you guys don't he's watch Community... He's a college student. He, he played a college student for years. Well, but that's what I'm saying four years and now he's i don't know even then he looked kind of old who's danny oh from community yeah, yeah from, community. from community abed yeah oh nice but uh like i love him but i just mm-hmm. i don't see him like fitting in like he, he just doesn't seem young enough to to pull it off i mean i guess if he was like playing a douchey kind of guy i see like, him stealing the show too we don't want that the, the other thing that i was wondering is what about like i feel like jubilee needs to have like her sorority sister that's like her her best buddy you know but it's really like stupid you know like who like is like the quintessential sorority girl i would love to see uh get anna ferris like she sort of did it in in the house bunny but like kind of bringing that character back around mm-hmm. uh, like she's pretty she's pretty hilarious i, I enjoy mm-hmm. anna ferris a lot so but she wouldn't be a college student because she's does she look older now these days yeah. too i haven't seen yeah. her for a while so yeah uh, yeah that, okay. that's one of the things that surprised me most she's married to star lord Oh really? Yeah. That is I crazy. never thought yes. I never they thought in a, a million years <laughs> that one day 
Chris Pratt would be the big star and she'd be kind of yeah. we haven't seen her in a while, you know? <laughs> yeah, okay. But I know she's doing like Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Yeah. Movies. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay. So she's maybe got that doesn't a TV work. Show too. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. What about oh you know who you know who could be good as her friend? Again, well, she might steal the show too though, is Kat Dennings. Like I think she's pretty yeah. she was great in Thor, obviously, but she was well, she's got two <laughs> broke girls and all of that. But I think she'd she'd be kind of fun. As like you know, because she she generally plays somebody who's got a a little bit more snark and not stupid. Yeah, but if right. she was playing it a little more ditzy, I think she could probably have a little bit of fun. Oh, she's got plenty of dits. You think? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I always feel like she's she's. Have you seen Two Bro Girls <laughs> ever? Yeah, that's that's pretty much her character. Okay. So but she's, isn't work, she then. too old to play yeah, college? She's a little Everybody's too old. Who are college. these young actresses that we're overlooking then? Somebody Did we ever settle on a on a rival? I, I, I think that Dev Patel is a good choice. We stuck with Dev, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I'm Kate just, Upton. Kate Upton? <laughs> Kate, wow. Yep. The model. Her nope. acting chops have not impressed me yet. <laughs> well, uh, she's the dumb one. So what, what acting chops? Uh, Come on. <laughs> I'm trying to. Uh, I don't, is, is there like a, if you've seen that Jessica Simpson movie, Blonde and Dangerous, Private Valentine? You know. What? <laughs> Why would we have seen that? I've not seen it, and uh, don't plan on seeing yeah. it. Yeah. Why have you seen it? <laughs> it? It's just she tried to play dumb, and, and it shows just how important acting chops are because she was too dumb to play dumb. If that makes any sense. Okay. All right. Well, I, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm just, I feel like I'm just out of the loop then on actresses who are still young enough to play college students. I'm like, remember when they were, remember they, when they were 21? They were great and hilarious. Maybe Emma Stone could still pull it off. Do you think she can? But she, but she's well, not. Well, if she can't, then what's her name can too. She, she pulled off high school graduate in Amazing Spider-Man. That was just two years ago. So. Yeah. But I guess like with her her type and again acting yes we're mm-hmm. calling upon you to act you know like should she be a character that maybe does have a better head on her shoulders or like do you think it, it would be for her to play against her type of i don't know if no nonsense is the right word but she always seems to be a very together person mm-hmm. in her roles so do we want to say she's playing kind of against that now and she is playing kind of like the party girl uh that maybe you know one of her early roles she actually did do that have you seen ghosts of girlfriends past no, she I've was heard a, of it. she was actually yes. the title character. Oh, she was okay. the ghost of girlfriend's past, and she was dorky and ditzy and falling apart, and in a way that was pretty engaging. Okay, I mean it's kind of a minor role for her, but why not? You know, like what's why would does Emma Stone? I mean, she had the the help. Is that was that her last big one? That was in 2011, I think. The yeah. help? Yeah. Wait, was that the help? Yeah, where she's the the reporter who goes undercover. Yeah. But was that her last? Movie? No, no I'm that was not her last then. big one, though. Like, she had that Hawaiian movie. Oh, with, oh yeah, yeah. Bradley Cooper. Yeah. Just reading okay. the reviews made me feel pain. Never mind. Okay, she, I, she pretended to be Asian it, in that. So film, maybe that this so. will be her recovery film. Yeah. Like we put we put her in a in a semi Marvel film brought to you by. Fox, unless Marvel has the rights to Jubilee, which would be great, but probably not. Yeah. No, I think she don't. falls into the X Men contract. She is yeah. X Men. I think that's it. So if you've hung in this long, listening to all our discussion about a Jubilee movie, kudos <laughs> to you. <laughs> Bonus points and a gold star. Yeah, but if you want to hear, again, the how the other 
movies, you know, how this episode could have gone, the other movies that were uh, on the docket there, go ahead and keep listening after the credits and you'll be able to hear those pitches. Get excited. Wait, we have credits? <laughs> you never... <laughs> Jeff, <laughs> Jeff has never listened to the, to the episode all the way through. But oh, you just mean the, like, disclaimer. Yeah, yeah the, the disclaimer credits. and the blooper. We and are not then... responsible for any seizures you suffer. Those aren't credits. Come on, people. <laughs> bumper? You want to just call it an end bumper, Jeff? Does that make you feel better? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then when we're all done, then Thanos will show up and say, "All right, I'll do it myself." Yeah. Does anybody? Yeah. Does anybody want to write us a theme song with with an opening credits sequence and a closing credits sequence? We could do it just as an instrumental. We're throwing it out to opening the sequel cross universe. None of them are credits. <laughs> Well, technically, we talk about the host, so you could call that credits. Yeah, come well, on. Well, that's true, yeah. but that's not the Give us sub-credit. That'll go on the blooper reel. <laughs> Can your grandfather do this? Hey, hey, hey. Uh. Do we want to talk a director at all? Do you have somebody mm. in mind that could tackle this movie? The Russos. Let's bring back uh. Gavin Hood. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Oh, I'm just kidding. Yeah, or, it, or is this more of a Judd Apatow movie? Or I mean, it could be, but somebody yeah. should we get Seth Rogen to direct it? Yeah, that, I mean, not I, star oh, in wow. it, just direct it. Well, Seth Rogen yeah. or the uh, direct the, the Garden State guy. You know, he's actually Zach done Braff? a few. Yeah, could that's, Zach Braff do oh, it? Yeah, don't think? Uh, I don't. Oh, he doesn't have Zach... any special effects experience that I'm aware of, but he's a capable director from what yeah. I've seen. Yeah, but he's more. I don't think he'd want to. He's more independent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What but about that's what the, he had to crowdfund an independent type film, though. It seems yeah, Nicholas, to be it would be that style. Nicholas Stoller from Forgetting Sarah Marshall and Ooh. Neighbors and all. Well, that's that. a good movie. I don't know how much of that was him versus how much was the script that Jason. Uh, what's his face wrote? Um, well, except for, I mean, again, you look at the stuff that he directs and he did, you know, neighbors, neighbors to okay. directing, you know, Sarah Marsh, all that sort of stuff. Well, maybe we should go for him then. I yeah. think he's got the right, you know, kind of the right, uh, string of films in, in the vein that we're going for. So he did get him to the ben Greek. Stiller. Let's get Ben Stiller back to ben direct. Stiller. That might be a little too uh, straight-laced for this. Bed stiller, straight-laced. <laughs> hmm. As a director. 200 okay. lander. All right, Nick Stoller then. Yeah. Sold. All right. He's got the job. Congratulations, Nick Stoller. Give us a call. <laughs> Put yeah. your name in the Jubilee we'll, uh, pot. Yeah. We have your money. It's in the mail. What kind of budget would you put on this studio exec? Uh, considering what you guys laid out in the outline, I think we could get this film made for somewhere between 60 and $75 million. Oh, that's too high. Too high. We got really? special effects. Hot. Well, look at these actresses and these, oh, these, yeah. you know, our cast here. Yeah, and the food budget alone. I was going to say, it's the... got to be less than Deadpool oh. in order to get creative. All right. Well, it could be tightened down to about 50, maybe 45 million. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then we'll just go over budget. And <laughs> right. then that's how we'll get the other we'll 50. We'll justify yeah. it. Yeah. There you go. Then we'll say, like, we need some star power. We got to get Hugh in for a day. Then Hugh Jackman will take over the film. And then we oh, no. He is it so just... tired of his workouts. Uh, that's going to be a Hey, this one. one he wouldn't have to work out. He's just sitting in a coffee shop. That's right. <laughs> Give it his nod. Cool. Okay. You could even Belly have Husky Wolverine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Husky. Uh, but uh, then, like, uh, this is just the beginning, right? Because just like Disney is doing with the Star Wars spinoffs, mm-hmm. after this, you're going to get all number of of X-Men spinoffs yeah. from us. So, you know, you never know. We might be back to this well again someday. X-Men Rogue One. 
Yeah. <laughs> hey, by the way, Rogue, the the biggest missed opportunity. I don't know. I feel like they made you know the first movie was kind of her movie, but Anna Paquin. That is not my Rogue. You know that just does, no. didn't work for me. She didn't even but, stick around that long. I feel like that just kind of yeah. cements that idea. And then they cut her out of Days of Future Past. Yeah, and had to give her her own cut. cut. Her out. Oh, <laughs> that is insult to many injuries. Oh, that's rough. That's rough. You know, Adam. Speaking of rogue, tell me, does it hurt when you podcast? Every time. That's, that's what she said. All right, so that was it. A fun discussion. Thank you again, Colton, for being here. Special guest. We'll look forward to having you back in the future. I'm like Ralph Wiggum. I'm special. (laughs) So we want to invite you again. Keep an eye out because, again, we got this 20th episode. We tried to mix it up. We're going to be giving you a little bit uh, more in tweaks to the format, tweaks to the types of films that we're doing. Uh, So we do have quite an interesting docket coming up here pretty soon. So keep checking out the website. The Twitter will will allow you uh, to be updated there on a regular basis. We got a War of the Worlds episode coming out. We recorded an episode about Kevin Costner's The Postman. You wanted a sequel to The Postman, didn't you? Well, no. we're giving it to you. No. Uh, we got no. the Ace Ventura 3. I mean, there, there's all number of films coming up here. So, uh, And uh, also, definitely going to be hitting you with a Ghostbusters 3 in July. So that, that's going to be an exciting one. But with that, we will look forward to, to seeing you soon. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sequel Quest and invite you to join us next week for another discussion about a film that never was. Share your ideas with the Sequel Quest universe by visiting SequelQuestPod.com, following us on Twitter at SQPod, on Facebook by searching Sequel Quest, or sending an email to SequelQuestPod at gmail.com. Let the world know how much you enjoy the show by leaving a review and five-star rating on iTunes. All films and characters discussed on Sequel Quest are the property of their respective studios and license holders. No copyright infringement is intended. Okie doke. So, for, for the, out. Yeah, anybody, anybody want to give me the, uh, the, the line? Oh, do <laughs> your creepy, hurt, yeah. creepy rogue one. Does it hurt when you, speaking of rogue, and then like somebody could say, hey, does it hurt when you podcast? <laughs> Every time. <laughs> how about, how about <laughs> oh I tee you up on this? Okay. Because you've got so the creepy good. thing down. Yeah. You I know think, what? Uh, Jeremy, you should do, you should do your best Southern accent. Teenage girl Southern <laughs> accent. For Adam, <laughs> do it, do it now, <sighs> and do it quietly. So yeah, this leader say was speaking of rogue. Speaking of rogue, oh, I thought I was teeing you up. No, you're, somebody's <laughs> supposed to give me the. Does it hurt yeah, when, when oh, you I podcast? I thought Jeremy was gonna do it. No, t- wait, who's going? No, he is. Yeah, that was Jeremy. The tea, yeah. I don't think I can get that high anymore in my Justin, voice. Justin, you got it for us. Come on, I'm gonna do it. You, you went to drop. I think school. Colton can oh, do Colton's it. Colton's gonna do it. Okay. Yeah, Colton, do it. Tell me, does it hurt when you podcast? Every time. That's, that's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Sequel Quest. Anyway. All right. And now we're getting into the rest of the pitches. Jeff, give us your full pitch. Okay. So mine is called Pride, P R Y D E, based on uh, Kitty Pride, who is Shadow Cat. Uh, as I mentioned before, I'm a big uh, uh, fan. of Some of my favorite comic books are the ones that don't have a whole lot of action. And I feel, for me, I would love to start seeing some comic book movies that weren't 
action dependent. So that was kind of where my pitch came from. Uh, again, as with all of my pitches, they're based, uh, at least for comic book pitches, they're based on an adapted comic book. So hats off to Chris, uh, um, Chris Claremont and uh, uh, New Mutants at issue 54. Uh, anyway, so my credits would open on a battlefield or something right at the end. However, Age of Apocalypse ended. I'm assuming there's some big battle scene, whether somebody gets killed or whatever it is. Uh, but the the camera would kind of pan over the battle scene, and you would hear like a voiceover uh, or or like the sounds from the battle, whether it was explosions or screams or lines or yells or whatever it is. And then you would also hear a radio broadcast. It was something about the government forming a task force uh, to account for these superpowered mutants. And um, anyway, so then eventually pans up to Professor X, uh, probably Patrick Stewart, but the older Professor X, uh, sitting in his wheelchair, looking out over the the devastation and um, lamenting that this is not the future future that he had imagined. He imagined one with peaceful coexistence between mutants and humans. Uh, so to that end, he really wants to focus on rebuilding Xavier's school. Uh, so along those lines, the, the story kind of uh, begins. Uh, Cyclops, who is leading the, 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 the X-Men, obviously, um, uh, says that part of that is the youngest X-Man, who is Kitty Pride, uh, should be back in school because she's like 16. And uh, Kitty's very resistant, saying, I'm an X-Man. After all, I fought Apocalypse. I fought whoever else she's fought in already. Uh, but Cy- Cyclops is the leader, so he forces her and says, like, listen, you know, you're going back to school or to school. She's never been to school before, uh, to the X school at least. Uh, Colossus, though, uh, introduces her to her younger, his younger sister, who is Ilyana, um, who um, has her own mutant powers and is attending the school. They start a friendship, um, but when Kitty starts in the school, finds out that all of the classmates don't really get along with her because she does think she's better than everybody because she's fought with the X-Men and views them all as like little kids and thinks she's so much more mature. Uh, All the classmates know that, so they kind of like isolate her. Uh, Her only friend is Ilyana. Uh, Adding insult to injury, she develops a crush on Ilyana's older brother, Colossus. Uh, But Colossus has a girlfriend, and then seeing Colossus with his girlfriend then makes her feel even more isolated. Um... So to kind of compensate or whatever, she ends up every night, she sneaks out and uh, with her shadow cat powers, uh, explores the mansion and ends up discovering this room in the ruins of the old part of the, 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 um, the mansion. Uh, she uh, one night decides to invite Ilyana uh, to see this secret room and uh, Ilyana, after a couple of nights of hanging out with Kitty there, decides to invite some of her friends. So initially it's a little awkward because, again, they don't really like Kitty, uh, but they end up kind of all like five or six of them end up really having this heart-to-heart about their experiences and their backgrounds. And uh, Kitty gets to hear each one of their stories and gets to, you know, th- this again and again, the story of, you know, being hated or being something like that because they were different, because they were mutants and Kitty realizing that, like, their story is my story. We all have, you know, this in common. Um, so then there's a dance coming up, and it's going to be a partnership dance between uh, Il- Xavier, which is a private school, and this public school. Um, uh, so the students all go to the dance, and um, when they get to the dance, all the boys just go gaga over Ilyana because she's this gorgeous Russian beauty. 
uh, whereas Kitty is kind of a little bit more of a, a bookworm sort of a gal. She's got glasses and everything. So she ends up kind of sitting on the side. She's not very, you know, uh, um, forward anyway. So she's sitting uh, 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 against the wall. Uh, meanwhile, there's a, a, a boy sitting next to or over by her who is another awkward boy named Larry. And um, they kind of awkwardly start hitting. Larry's even more awkward than Kitty is, which she finds kind of cute. And so um, he seems like he's really sweet. So at one point, he obviously doesn't know anything to do around a girl. So he ends up going to get punch for the both of them. Uh, when he goes to get the punch, there's these cool kids from the public school talking around there and they're telling uh, mutant jokes, which are the, f the favorite racial joke to make at the time. And uh, as Larry walks up, the coolest, uh, the tallest or the biggest leader of the cool kids says like, hey, new kid, you gotta be a mutie, right? And Larry gets very defensive and then just, you know, grabs the punch and heads back to Kitty. Um, but then the, the that cool kid kind of gives like a long look after laughing it off and everything like that towards Larry. Anyway, so then Larry and Kitty end up hook, like uh, uh, really making a connection, so they end up dancing all night long. Afterwards, the group invites uh, uh, Larry uh, because the kids from Xavier decide to, after the dance, to go to like a malt shop or a TGI Fridays or something like that. So they go there, and Larry and Kitty are still kind of like, you know, talking in the corner and dancing and doing whatever. And the group finally kind of gets them to sit down um, so that they can order food or whatever. Uh, Larry excuses himself to go to the bathroom, uh, locks the door and he's looking in the mirror and he's just kind of like, Oh my gosh, what do I do? Like with this girl? I don't know. Do I, do I kiss her? Do I put my arm around her? I've never been with a girl before. I don't understand any of this. And then he says, he, he starts to kind of like saying like, should I tell her about me? And then we see that he has the ability to create like sculptures of light. So he creates this sculpture of light with his hand. That's this beautiful sculpture of Kitty's face. And, like, with his seeing that he has a mutant power. So he creates that, but then out of the corner of his eye, he notices that there's a flyer for this mutant task force that has been founded um, to, you know, track down the mutants. So he frightened, kind of, like, destroys the sculpture. It, it shatters into a bunch of pixels, and then he returns to the group. So the group's getting food, and they start to kind of, like, tease Larry. Nothing mean, but just kind of like, so, Larry, what about you and Kitty and la, la, la. Uh, pressing Larry about, like, what's your story and everything like that. Uh, it's, Larry starts getting really, really nervous because uh, he doesn't know how to interact with a group, much less with a girl. So he decides to break the ice by telling a joke. And the joke that he comes up with is the joke that he just heard all of those kids tell. So he tells this anti-mutant joke about, like, how many mutants does it take to screw in a bulb? And there's dead silence from this crowd. So he thinks he must have told it wrong or something like that. So he kind of stammers out a second mutant joke. So he goes like, so this mutant walks into a bar and it blah, 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 blah. And at which point everybody from the school gets up and says, well, I think we need to leave. And they all kind of storm out. Um, Larry's panicking because he doesn't know what's going on. He kind of begs them to stay, but they storm off. So Larry, very depressed, obviously heads home. Uh, he sees that his parents are gone again because they usually are apparently. Uh, so he slumps down on the bed, um, depressed and, you know, bummed out about the whole night and everything like that. All of a sudden, his cell phone rings. He picks it up and he hears this voice that says, we're on to you and we've called the task force, mutant, you're through. And I'm at that point, like, shaking, he hangs up the phone. 
Next morning, uh, we're back in Xavier's school. Professor X pulls Kitty out of the class uh, to tell her that a student from the dance last night has died. Uh, a student named Larry committed suicide last night. And obviously, Kitty is very shaken. All of the group is really shaken. And so we get to kind of follow each one of them as they're dealing with this in their own way. One of them, like, you know, a, a stronger mutant kind of like, you know, is he must have been a coward. And another one is feeling, you know, sympathetic. Uh, but Kitty is just like speechless. So Kitty decides to sneak into Larry's house to try and make sense of all of this. So using her shadow cat powers, obviously she sneaks into Larry's room, which is locked. And once she gets into Larry's room, just sees statue upon statue of these beautiful like things that he's obviously created with his mutant powers, including one, which is this absolutely spectacular light sculpture of her, of her face. And he, as she reaches out to touch it, however, the moment that she touches it, the entire thing, you know, breaks up into, into light or pixels or whatever. And then she, I don't know, collapses on the floor crying or something like that. So anyway, the next day they're going to do a, a memorial like assembly at the public school. Um, and they ask Kitty. They say Kitty was the one that knew him the best um, to speak about him. So... No one's really sure what Kitty's going to say, and she gets up, and that's the first thing that she says is that I met Larry once, and I knew him for one night, and yet I knew him the best, and I barely knew him at all. And um, one line that I always love from the comic book that I would really want to see in the movie would be, um, like, who is Larry? Who am I? I'm a, a four-eyed, flat-chested brat, a chick, a brain, stuck up, one of Xavier's snob freaks. I don't like those words. I could probably use nicer words. I've heard worse though. And I think we all have. And then she says that somebody used, you know, they're all just labels. Somebody used the label Muty on Larry. And in this case, they were right. However, Larry's power was to create beauty. And then she kind of go on, you know, about that and about the labels and everything along those lines. And then the final line that I always loved is that she says, um, if you're going to learn anything, if you're going to remember anything about Larry, Remember this, my name is Catherine Pride, and that's the only thing that matters. The rest are just labels. And credits roll. All right. Interesting. Quite dramatic. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, there's a message there. That is, yeah. that is a film with, with an agenda trying to get you to think and feel. So that, that's good, Jeff. That's, uh, yeah, Pride. <laughs> yeah, which again, and that was the thing too, because and that was the thing for me, and I know you guys kind of mentioned that it feels like the X Men films do have the context of the like mutant hating whatever, but the reality is like that's the X Men comics. That's always been the X Men comics, is that it's all about that. And for me, especially in today's world where that's a big big deal, and that's something that like you know about. Black Lives Matter and about now the whole LGBTQR movement um, and, you know, everything like that. Like, this is still a huge big deal that I think, you know, for me at least, I feel like this has the medium to be able you know, to tell that story. Yeah, absolutely. Right on, man. Adam, let's hear your full pitch. All right. So, like I said, I really wanted to get more Kelsey Grammer and I wanted... 
with with uh, X three was uh, you know next to first class like my favorite of the original trilogy. So um, I loved the idea of the cure and, and uh, I just I did think that there was maybe more that could be done with it. Um, so that that's kind of where my pitch comes in here uh, for Beast, starring Kelsey Grammer. So. <clears throat> Since the events of X3, The Last Stand, Hank McCoy, a.k.a. Beast, has secretly been taking watered-down doses of the Cure Serum, causing his furry blue exterior to recede and allowing him to walk normally among humans for short periods of time. Hank uses this newfound anonymity to live the life he has always dreamed of, getting into social clubs, going to the beach, you know, just uh, getting out there and dating. So Hank falls in love with a woman named Allison Blair, who was a pop star in the 70s known for her dazzling concert performances, who is now a celebrity activist for mutant rights. When Allison asks if he is the same Hank McCoy that used to be the advisor to the president on mutant affairs, he lies and says, it's just a common name, and the lack of blue fur should confirm it. Of course, there are comedic moments where the cure wears off on a date and Hank has to hide his furry hands with his coat or his feet burst out of his shoes or he claims he's a bit of a prude when she tries to get, uh, you know, close to him, skin to skin, you know, so all of that type, kind of tried to avoid the reveal. But uh, back at the school, Hank struggles with his dual life and loyalty to his mutant brethren because he teaches political science and philosophy and to thine own self be true is his mantra, which now makes him kind of a hypocrite. So he tries to comfort Warren Worthington III, a.k.a. Angel, who struggles with knowing that he can never truly be himself in public as the young man's giant wings make his mutation very hard to hide, which Hank understands. On the other side of the coin is a girl named Maria, codenamed Farrell, who is like a female counterpart to Beast in that she has feline fur and features. But she is very proud of her looks because it makes her special. She says she'd rather be the center of attention than lost in the masses of norms. Each time Hank goes out to meet Allison, he takes a slightly more potent mix of the cure so it'll last longer, and it eventually starts making his hair shorten permanently, and he tells his fellow mutants, oh, it's just a haircut. New look. But the other instructors at the school, like Storm, now Kitty Pride, Colossus, and Iceman, begin to notice a change in Hank's usually subdued, cheerful demeanor. But he tells them, eh, it's just allergies, I'm a little under the weather, so he's just constantly making excuses, uh, like an addict will. So Hank is then called out with the X-Men field team that intervenes in anti-mutant activity, and during a battle against a group of cyber-enhanced religious extremists called the Purifiers, Hank discovers that the cure is taking away his ape-like strength and agility, making him a liability in battle. The Purifiers are armed with a stockpile of the cure weapons developed by the government, and Hank's inability to stop one of the fanatics causes Farrell to be shot and loses her powers on that inaugural mission for herself. After the battle, Hank tries to tell Farrell how lucky she is now. She can live a normal life. To which Maria responds, But I liked being special. Hank begins feeling guilty, and the more time he spends with non-mutants, the more he becomes apologetic towards the hateful behavior of anti-mutant humans, and chastises Storm about being so militant for mutant rights. He begins to feel that he must choose one life over the other, and a future with Allison seems the most promising. So he quits the Xavier school and moves in with his lady love, who begins to suspect that Hank is not being truthful about her past, or about his past. Uh, eventually, his personal supply of the cure begins to run out, and like a junkie looking for a fix, Hank 
tracks the purifiers to their base, breaks in to steal their supply of the cure, and downs a vial uh, to return to human form just as he's caught by a purifier guard. And he pretends to be a mutant bounty hunter that supports their causes, saying he was just trying to get some stockpile for his own endeavors, and he's taken into the fold. So he's told that their next target is Allison Blair, who must be exterminated for sympathizing with the unholy abominations. And throwing a fundraiser to raise awareness for mutant rights is the final straw. So the purifiers also have some inside sources claiming that she may secretly be a mutant herself, which Hank never imagined. Of course, he's horrified, but he has to keep up appearances or be murdered himself, so he goes along with them as they go to uh, crash the party. Now, the X-Men are secretly attending the fundraiser thrown by Allison as well. And when the purifiers show up and a battle breaks out, Allison is taken hostage. So Hank goes into full beast mode to save her, uh, but he gets shot with a full dose of the cure. And for a brief moment, he's powerless. And he sits there realizing what a blessing his powers were. But luckily, Allison actually is a mutant with light powers to allow her to get the upper hand, and she saves Hank himself from being executed for having betrayed the purifiers, while the other X-Men are busy taking on the rest of the group. Then Hank learns a secret. He now is semi-immune to the cure and can control his transformations due to his slow dosing over the past six months. So he returns to his mutant form at full power, defeats the purifier leader, and manages to destroy the rest of the cure weapons since being shot doesn't affect him. So in the end, Hank apologizes to his teammates and Allison, reaffirms his allegiance to the mutant cause, reinstates himself at the Xavier School, and gets Allison a job as a vocal coach teaching as well. And they live happily ever after. So there's my movie, Beast. The, the, only, the only thing that I would say is that the romance part, I don't know that I want to see Kelsey Grammer in a romance. But that's what that's what uh, Frasier was all about. He was always looking for love. And that's exactly, the part to me that is... we never saw it. And that was like 15 <laughs> years ago. Uh, he's, but he's <laughs> going to be in makeup. He's going to look younger. <laughs> Not and he's dating a woman his age. But that's the whole idea is that he could never date. He could never have a relationship because of how he looks. Right, so now that he's still the human, same when he's, he's in him. human form. Oh, he's come Kelsey on. Grammer. We love Kelsey. <laughs> One of our I great do, actors. I do, but not in a romance. <laughs> oh boy! Now, what's his name from about a boy? Yeah. You want Hugh Grant a forever? Max for some reason. <laughs> Wait, Hugh Grant was in Thunder no, Road. Or? The kid. Oh, <laughs> the, <new beast. laughs> the, the guy who plays Young Beast. Yeah, Nick who plays Holt. Young Beast, who was Nicholas then the Holt, creepy yeah. guy in uh, in Mad Max. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, Jeremy. Let's hear this Netflix Mister Sinister series. All right, I, I've got it kind of broken down into two different things. I've got it like a full pitch, and then I've got it in the Netflix breakdown of episodes. And I think I'm going to go with the Netflix breakdown, and I can steal some points from the other. More or less, it's going to be about 13 episodes, like a Marvel Netflix series, because that's condensed enough that you can expand on story that's necessary, and you get rid of a lot of the fluff. So the first episode will be his origin, how he met uh, an alias of Apocalypse, and that's how he created the first mutation in his genetics. And showing how desperate Mr. Sinister is in the early days that he dug up his own son to experiment on his dead body. Wow. 
So it's already taking a deep, dark twist. Which fits with the Marvel Netflix Which kind of fits. Yeah. It gives it a little edge. And then uh, the only reason he accepts the offer of Apocalypse to to become a mutant is he goes home and finds out his wife, uh, under all the stress of everything dealing with Apocalypse and the, the changes going on in that time, she gave birth prematurely and died herself. So, like, he's got no family. He's got no attachments anymore. So he goes back and accepts the offer of Apocalypse. Changes him, mutates him. And there's a time-traveling Scott and Jean who were sent back from the future to take down Apocalypse and stop him from becoming who he would be later on down the road. But they fail. And so Mr. Sinister is allowed to experiment on them and that's where his obsession with the summer's lineage comes from so we're going deep cuts into the comics here yeah yeah and at that point then they let them go back into the future it's a lot of crazy stuff but it'll kind of follow an episode in different periods of time leading up to more present day now now do you see him as is he like a misunderstood like not misunderstood but is he like he he is technically our hero even though he's the villain like we see him as a tragic figure yes okay now we'll get to that um there is Again, time travel is like a huge thing with the X-Men for some reason. <laughs> Gambit and this weird X-Men called Courier. Never heard of him. Never heard of him. He's got powers to shapeshift. And that's where Mr. Sinister captures both of them and retrieves the ability to shapeshift. Oh. Is from this guy. Because before that, all he had to do was like modern makeup because he had this <laughs> pale complexion. So he's trying to cover it up and it looks goofy. <laughs> now he can shapeshift and he can make himself blend in. And so through the years, he's working his way into positions of power and genetics and studies. And as it's going, they're finding mutants and he's experimenting on them and adding to his own powers. So it's a slow build, but here's where the twist is. Apocalypse made him a mutant to serve Apocalypse. But there's the thing where Sinister doesn't want to serve Apocalypse. So his whole plan in manipulating and following the Summer's line is to create the perfect mutant who is able to overcome and defeat Apocalypse. So he's essentially, he's helping Apocalypse with this plan of double-crossing him down the road. Mm -hmm. He's immortal, like, he, he can't die, so he can play this out long-term. And so it'll build up to where he's part of the Weapon X program. <laughs> mm. He's adding uh, the Essex Clinic, the Essex Corp, and then also founding the orphanage, the state home for foundlings. And brings in the new orphan, Scott Summers, after he destroys his school or however they want to display him figuring out his powers. And then he creates the Ruby Quartz lenses for him in order to control it. Then, as it continues down the road, captures Jean again, clones her. This is, this is the birth of Cable here. Yeah. A clone of Jean. Jean goes off and does the whole Dark Phoenix saga, dies... But he's got this clone of Jean that's in his back pocket and finally releases her. And she meets up with Scott. Scott impregnates the clone. And then the birth of Cable. Like, there's the even the Morlock massacre is in there <laughs> because he found out his own, a version of himself, an alternate version from a different dimension 
is part of the Morlocks. And so in order to cover up his plan, kills off all the Morlocks. <laughs> wow. So there's a lot of weird, weird stuff going on. And he's just kind of being the hand that leads to a lot of these events. So Cable is born, Apocalypse comes back and infects the baby with the techno-organic virus. And people from the future end up coming back and they figure out this is the only way that we can save him is to send him to the future where they have found a cure for it. And so they send the baby off to the future and go about living their modern day lives. And then Cable would come back there in the end. Like big cable like the cable <laughs> no more baby cable no uh, more baby cable with the robot hand <laughs> yeah robot hand robot eye crushing a bottle in his hand that's how you know it's baby cable he's crushing his bottle and then he's like no more baby i don't know that no that's awesome yes. <laughs> nobody puts baby cable in a corner the baby says oh. no more baby <laughs> yeah no more baby cable no, but yeah, no, like you said, that's that's a lot of comics continuity in lot, there. But yeah. but no, but although it was funny, like even when you were pitching it the first time, Jeremy, I have a feeling that of all of our pitches, yours is the most likely to be the next X Men movie. Yeah, like I feel like this, they'll go with some form of Mister Sinister to build off of Apocalypse. Right, yeah, I'm hearing things. That's probably where they're going, and they will more than likely get. Uh, yeah, no. Um, Walter White, Brian Cranston, Brian Cranston, Brian Cranston actually brought this up and said that he's the one superhero villain that he wants to play. Yeah. Wow. The sad thing is, usually when people say that, that's like the the knell of death. I mean, it was like it was like uh, what's his name, uh, 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 Glover saying, yeah. "I want to be Spider Man." Yeah. Or Matt Modine. Ryan Reynolds. The only person Matt Modine oh. ever wanted to play was Doctor Strange, and they're oh. like, "Nope, sorry, the Bash." We we saw you in Dark Knight Rises. No thanks. Oh. Yeah. All right. Well, those are the pitches. So that we hope you enjoyed the the bonus look at what could have been. I think we made the right choice with Jubilee, though. That's just that's the shot in the arm the X Men franchise needs. <laughs> I'm so not thanks, gonna Justin. lie. I did not think that uh, <laughs> I was gonna win. Uh, that oh. was a whole that whole thing was a joke. See? Uh, we know joke. Well play. done. Sir. <laughs> yeah. Well, so was Deadpool, yeah. and look at what exactly. we're looking at yeah. now. That's what I think. Yeah. People are looking for that kind of that that different you know type of take on the superhero world yeah. now. So, all right, guys. Well, that's it. I guess uh, we will check it. <laughs>